The Start On Demand. On demand. Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is on vacation once again. And uh, as I was looking at the date, I'm looking at the date right now on my phone, Greg, and it just feels weird to see the word August already. Am I alone in that? I don't think you are. August is upon us. And with the smoke in the air yesterday afternoon, we were up at Lester Beach for the weekend, came home Got in the vehicle around 2 o'clock to come home, and with the smoke in the air, it felt like about 5 or 6 in the afternoon. It had that gloomy feel. It was darker than you would anticipate it would be. And then, of course, with the sun going down a little bit earlier, coming up a little bit later, yeah, you can tell we're heading towards autumn. And, in fact, Saturday night at the lake, we were outside. It was still 20 or 21 degrees but it actually felt cool, mm-hmm. and it was so nice to have to put on a hoodie to stay warm. <laughs> yeah, and to, to put one on outside as opposed to putting one on inside because of the air conditioning. Good point. Like I'm wearing, a, I've got a hoodie on right now. Uh, but yeah, that smoke, it's obviously it's it's a severe problem for those who are having to to evacuate, like Napa, you see at cjob.com, Napa Ming Provincial Park Cottage Subdivision ordered evacuated as wildfire approaches. But I know for me, uh, just to, to being in the city, like I was at the golf course uh, yesterday at Kingswood and uh, the smoke is, I'm, I've got so many allergy meds running through my body right now. <laughs> I feel like I'm just one giant walking antihistamine. You should be able to uh, lift things above your head right now, <laughs> do un- all sorts of things. Uh, great feats of strength, I'm imagining, with all the stuff is flowing through your veins. I'm imagining the uh, Incredible Hulk and all the different things that, that flow through your veins in order to create that chemical reaction, but I guess not, eh? No. You don't, you don't feel very Hulk-like? No, unfortunately not. I feel more uh, more sleepy. If there's a superhero who falls asleep, if narcolepsy were a superpower, that could be mine because I'm a little tired because of the uh, the antihistamines. But uh, yeah, so let us know what you're seeing, as always, in terms of the smoke. We've had people text us pictures of ash uh, falling, like we had a pick last week from a gentleman in Malachi in northwestern Ontario. So if you're seeing that, uh, let us know. Were you actually up yesterday morning? I saw you tweeted at 4.59 a.m., I think. Well, I forgot to turn off my alarms. Yesterday was Monday, of course. No! Yes! Oh, man. But it was very fortuitous because, as I always do with my 2.45 alarm, I hit snooze, and then it rang again, and then... It reminded me, Canada, U.S. Olympic women's soccer, the semifinal. So uh, fortunately, I was able to stream it, dozed off, and then woke up to watch the second half of the second half. So I saw probably in total about 35 minutes of the 90-minute match and was elated. I didn't wake up the house. I didn't wake up the cottage, but I did wake up Jackie when... uh, when Canada came through with the 1-0 victory over the U.S. to advance to the gold medal game. So, yes, I was uh, awake. Well, hey, good for you for seeing that. Uh, and that that's how I found out that Canada had defeated the U.S. I saw your tweet, which was just basically a gif or a gif, if you prefer, of the Canadian flag, I believe. And uh, I thought, that must mean the... The women won? Based on the timestamp alone. You put it all together, as many did. So we got congratulations uh, to the Canadian women's soccer team. We will have a visit with Hector Vergara uh, later on this morning. He is the executive director of the Manitoba Soccer Association. And Christine Sinclair left the game, Brett. And, of course, Christine Sinclair, uh, one of the greatest uh, soccer players in, in the history of the game, uh, 187, I believe, is the international goal total now. Greatest goal scorer in the history of women's soccer. Um, handed off her captain's armband to Winnipeg, Desiree Scott. Oh, when wow. she left the game, she was substituted out. She was dealing with a little bit of an injury, I think. And so we'll find out. What does this do for soccer in Manitoba? What has Desiree Scott's 
performance on the national team, inclusion on the national team for all these years. What has that done for, for, for women's soccer and, and girls playing soccer in our province? So we'll have that discussion in uh, about two and a half hours' time. And in our next segment, in fact, we'll take a look at the excitement that is building with kids across Canada as the Canadian women continue to roll through the Olympics. The final, by the way, Thursday night uh, versus Sweden. Also today, of course... We got the announcement on Friday that this was coming. Friday afternoon, we got the heads up that this is happening today. Dr. Brent Drusen, Premier Brian Pallister, 11 a.m. today, updated public health orders. Yeah, updated is an interesting terminology because how far do you think the province is going to go here? Lots of discussion about that over the weekend. What do you think we'll see? And even some people saying, I don't really think we need to change very much. And dare I suggest, or may I ask this question, Brett McGarry, how would you feel if the province actually maybe changed some things and made it more difficult to do certain things unless you had a vaccine or unless you wore a mask? Based on what's going on in the United States, could you make an argument for keeping things exactly the same or maybe even dialing things back a tiny bit? Well, we want to know what you think of that. And that's our question of the day this morning at cjob.com for Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. What do you hope to see in today's updated public health orders? Your options are more loosened restrictions, no changes, or tightened restrictions. Cast your vote at cjob.com. We'll throw that up on Twitter as well, at 680CJOB. And we got to give you a heads up. We've got... Three contests on the go this morning. One, Blue Bomber tickets for the home opener on Thursday. We've got two tickets to give away for the home opener versus Hamilton. So at 645, we're going to tell you how you can get your mitts on those tickets. That's exciting. Uh, Yeah. 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 Uh, All weekend, it was the talk of the beach. How exciting everybody was about going to the game or watching the game. Uh, Look, nothing beats being there in person. So if we can get you to the game on us, we would absolutely love to do that. And uh, Brett will tell you exactly how we're going to do that. And I have a surprise for you, Brett. Oh, just found out. Number four, Adam Big Hill will join us at 7.35 this morning yeah. for breakfast with the Bombers. That's exciting stuff right on. And the voice of the Blue Bombers, Bob Irving, at 9.05 in lieu of yesterday. We always talk to him on Mondays at 8.37, but we didn't have a show yesterday, so he's going to join us at 9.05. At 7.45, Fit for Life. You're going to have a chance to win the ultimate body measure package valued at over $500. So we're going to find our first qualifier today. We'll find a qualifier tomorrow and another one Thursday and then Friday. We're going to give away that $500 prize. Well, there's for PetSmart. It's Dogust at PetSmart. (laughs) Check out their tail wagging deals on now through August 29th. (laughs) Again, that's Dogust. Shop your pet's essentials on online or as Jeff has typed on loan Sorry, Jeff. Or in app today, PetSmart. Anything for pets. <laughs> Dogist. Is McNabb writing these commercials now? Is she is she moonlighting as uh, as a commercial writer in the in the in the back office? I love it. That's that's great branding, great marketing. Dogist. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb's on vacation, unless she's as Greg suggested, moonlighting as a creative writer. We want to talk right now about Blue Bombers tickets. We have two up for grabs for Thursday's home opener, and we're going to give that away at 9.15. You know the drill. you got to text us a story. So we're going to use the excitement over the Canadian women's soccer team as inspiration for today's discussion. We're going to focus on the sports we played as kids, specifically if you've got a funny story pertaining to kids' sports or something goofy or something weird or just, you know, something exciting, whatever. Tell us a story. And if you didn't play any organized sports as a kid, did you play, like, street hockey at least or football in the schoolyard? And it doesn't have to be about when you were a kid. Like, maybe you've coached some kids and you got a a story about what the kids would do, something funny. So uh, let's go around the horn here. Skylar Peters is in for Jeff Braun. Why don't we start with you, Mr. Peters? 
Oh, great. Here we go. Well, I was <laughs> racking my brain for some sort of a sports story. I played soccer growing up, too. That was kind of my summer sport. And then in the winter, uh, hockey and, and that kind of thing. So uh, I was thinking I was probably like 11 or 12 at this point uh, playing hockey. And I wasn't much of a hockey player. So this is only adding insult to injury, I guess, because I didn't make up for it with any nice goals or anything either. Um, but I remember... Um, there's somebody dumped the puck in and I'm going around the, the end boards to, uh, you know, scoop up the puck and, and start going up the ice. And my stick gets caught in the, um, board cover that like, you know, hides the advertising. My blade goes right in between like the gap in the two boards. And I like impale myself on my hockey stick and fall right to the ice. And it, uh, let's say it, you know, found a very sensitive area <laughs> and, uh, and and I like just like completely yard sailed onto the ice and the play was still going and I don't really remember what happened after that, but I just remember hearing laughing from the stands and I was just like I wanted to crawl into a hole and never come out after that point. So that's uh that's probably my best sports story. Did you just say you yard sailed onto the I ice? I like that. Yeah. It's uh I think it's a snowboarding term. Usually yard sale when your mitts go flying, uh, your skis, that kind of thing. How much for the skis? <laughs> yell from the yep. yell from the chairlift. Yep. But uh, yeah, it, it it applies in hockey uh, when it comes to to my game. That's for sure. I was all over the place. <laughs> I love that, uh, Poitras. What about you? I have no athletic ability whatsoever. <laughs> I am putrid <laughs> at sports. I uh, like every like when I I played soccer and hockey when I was a kid. Common denominator here: we our teams always sucked. I'm sitting having pizza <laughs> with my uh, with my fiance's uh, niece and nephew, and they're talking about their teams winning all the time. And I'm like, "What? You guys are on winning teams? My teams always we're always last place, getting pounded." And I guess I was on it, but I had one shining moment in gym class on the high jump, never to be replicated. But I uh, was able to like jump a meter and a half, just like a freak. It was a freak jump, and I was able to do it. And then because I made the jump, I got to go back of the to the back of the line and then I got to do it again so I was like oh my god look at me I'm going back to the line I get to try another jump <laughs> completely f- failed miserably hit the bar fell on the mat terrible and then I I tried it like again and again and again could not do it so yeah I, no athletic ability here whatsoever I'm horrible it's funny how that happens where you can get that one magic moment like I <laughs> yeah. in, in our in our just like our uh, regional track and field meet i think this was grade nine i uh was competing in the discus and i was okay but then i had this one freakish throw where i out threw everybody like by five yards or something even the the my 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 teacher happened to be the guy moderating or whatever the the event the official and even he said holy smokes so i got to go to the provincials but i couldn't duplicate the effort like not even close because i just i managed to get the throw right i got the technique right mm-hmm. but i couldn't get it right again and i was just an absolute embarrassment at the provincials so that was awful mackling what about you well i love i love kids and the way they participate in sport that report that you played for us just after six o'clock the innocence and the visions of grandeur all at once but let me tell you sometimes uh, coaching kids the hardest thing the most difficult thing is just to get them to stay on the field <laughs> i have coached soccer i've co- coached baseball since my my kids uh, were born and started playing sport and um we had one little girl on our baseball team for two or three years. I don't know why her parents kept putting her on the team, but that's their decision. All she wanted to do was go play at the park. There was a park right by the ball diamonds, and it, 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 it's your turn to bat. No, we're going to go play at the park. And she always wanted to go play at the park, and she, that happened for three years. But the most innocent, most beautiful thing ever was in soccer, five, six-year-old soccer, the kids are battling for the ball, you know, as much as kids at that age can battle. And this one little guy turns and looks to my son and goes, hey, I recognize you from school. And then they stop at the ball and they just stand there and have a little chat. Really? Yeah, that was the end of the soccer didn't exist. Boom. <laughs> he recognized my son from school. And now, you know, we should talk about things and go and pick some dandelions together. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, that, That's exactly how I was when I was a kid. I'd play soccer and like... 
I just, I was not competitive. I would sit in the middle of the field and I'd be like, oh, look, grass, I'm going to pick you. I wouldn't do anything. Like, and one time my team was so bad that uh, our goalie, his name was Trevor, he uh, got so mad at us because our team was just terrible. He runs out of net and he just, he grabbed, like, didn't grab the ball. He kicked the ball and he's like, that's it, I'm scoring. And he went and scored. He was fed up with us. But uh, Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Taking matters into his own hands. I, I never had that competitive edge. Like, I would never go into the... Like, to be like a hockey player, you got to go into the boards to get the puck, and you have to get it. That's your number one goal. you got to have, like, blood... you got to have that the, the bloody... The bloodthirsty look in your eyes to get that puck. I never had it. I'm like, why would I go scream into that corner? I'm going to break my arm. So I would always hold up. I just never had that killer instinct. Yeah, that was like me, and uh, I'd be afraid of getting the ball in the face, so, you know, you'd have to protect the face. <laughs> get away! <laughs> just, get away! I just can't do it. I was playing baseball when I was, I think, 11 or uh, there's like 10 or 11 years old. I don't know. And uh, our team is on the field. And like, the, so we're playing. The game is on and Dickie D rolls by. So the, our right fielder, he runs off the field and starts shouting at his parents to get him some Dickie D. And they're, of course, they're yelling at him to get back to the game. I think the ball actually did end up going his way. <laughs> I, I can't remember if he actually got the ice cream, but uh, that was one of the funnier things that happened to me. So we need you at 204-780-6868 to tell us a story about when you played sports as a kid or maybe have a story about your kids or, you know, kids that you have coached. The the, the little girl, Greg, who would always run off to the park. How old was she-ish? Oh, like five to ages five till seven. All three seasons. I'm on play at the park. <laughs> Is that a nice park? It's a great park. They have a splash pad there now, too. Ooh. <laughs> Even better. Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is on holidays. Reminder to text us at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win a pair of Blue Bombers tickets for the home opener. Tell us a story about when you played sports as a kid, like Jamie, who says, I played baseball when I was a kid. One season, we all go to the first practice, meet the coaches and other players. At the end of this first practice, the coach says, make sure you all bring your cup next practice. I'll be checking. Well, I guess if you don't play sports, you may not realize what the term cup means. Because at the next practice, the coach said everyone got their cup because I'm going to check. He used a bat to lightly tap that area because he wanted you to remember it and never forget it. But this one guy who never played sports actually brought a cup, like a drinking cup. <laughs> he thought we would have a drink break and need to bring your own cup. Needless to say, he got bugged about that pretty good. But in the end, he always remembered the correct cup after that. I'd be curious as to know what his uh, nickname was after that. Oh, probably get fairly creative with it so that's a great story jamie that is a contender i would have to say so keep those stories coming at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win those blue bomber tickets a reminder breakfast with the bombers at 737 we're talking to adam big hill bob irving joins us at 905 as well we're going to talk gold eyes because at 845 the gm is going to join us baseball back at shaw park baby can't wait for that. Shaw Park, a popular destination for so many Manitobans. Great way to spend a few hours on a summer evening. Yeah, Andrew Collier, who has been general manager of the year in multiple leagues over his tenure with the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, will join us and give us a rundown of what to expect tonight at Shaw Park and uh, heading out uh, if you're heading out to a game for the remainder of the season. In the meantime, as vaccine passports and vaccination as a condition for returning to offices at major U.S. corporations become more commonplace, an organization which acts on behalf of over 1,500 faculty at Brandon University, Université de Saint-Boniface, University of Manitoba, and University of Winnipeg says vaccines should be mandatory on those campuses. Scott Forbes is president of the Manitoba Association of Faculty Association. Scott joins us now on the start. Good morning, uh, Scott. Is your request as plain and simple as it sounds? Yes, um, it's, uh, it's a no-brainer solution to moving uh, life to back to normal at our universities and colleges. Um, it's, the, it's the safe way to reopen. Is the University of Manitoba going back to in-person learning this fall? Uh, in, in part. Um, there's going to be a mixture of uh, in-person and online courses. Okay, because one of our listeners says other major Canadian universities are back in person whether students are vaccinated or not. 
And uh, there hasn't been a clear explanation uh, why uh, the U of M is online again for the fall term. Um, well, the Manitoba universities are, are moving um, towards a, a blend of, of online and uh, in-person classes. Smaller classes will be in-person, um, larger classes uh, online. Um, and uh, this is um, this is a, a fairly uh, standard uh, uh, procedure in Canadian universities. It, it's it's quite different from American universities, where over 400 have, have uh, and, and the number is, is rising steadily, have moved to mandatory vaccination. Uh, requirements uh, to attend class, um, including the entire University of California and California state system, which is over 30 universities in one uh, one state. Yeah, I think a lot of us are finding it fascinating, Scott, that uh, these corporations headquartered in the U.S. Are, are implementing these mandatory vaccine policies, whereas in Canada, companies have been sort of advised, at least any of the lawyers we've spoken to, on this program on our station and said, yeah, you can't really do that based on labor law in this part of the world. So uh, companies are shying away from that. What, what is it that makes you think that, uh, that the university, the university of Manitoba as an example could implement this? Cause it sounds like uh, basically a, a rule or a stipulation for employment. Um, it, it, uh, I, I have to, to respectfully disagree. The, um, uh, I've been reading voraciously legal opinions on this, and it's, it's quite within um, the rights of governments and, and uh, institutions to, to set um, guidelines, to set restrictions based on public health considerations. Uh, if you want to attend school in Ontario or New Brunswick, um, you have to show evidence of vaccination. Um, and uh, I would really um, uh, wonder uh, what difference is there between a university classroom uh, at a movie theater. Um, so movie theaters you require mandatory vaccines. Uh, you require your vaccination card uh, to enter. Um, the, the only difference is that instead of just going to one movie and, and going home, um, in a university classroom, uh, you go to one classroom, then 15 minutes later you go to another one, and 15 minutes later you go to another one. Um, and I would argue that, uh, that movie theaters have substantially better um, ventilation systems than the antiquated um, HVAC systems at, at most of our universities with decades-old buildings. So um, the, the legal argument, I believe, is a canard. Um, uh, the, we don't think there's any legal impediment to, to uh, having a mandatory vaccination um, policy at uh, universities and colleges. Would your, your ask include any sort of exemption for those who simply cannot be vaccinated for whatever yeah. medical reasons? Absolutely. Um, uh, those who have allergies to, to vaccines, it's a small proportion of people, but those people would have to be accommodated. Uh, we would uh, uh, look to policies like um, uh, mandatory masking and, and um, testing, um, but that could be accommodated. And, and mandatory vaccination actually protects those people. Um, so there is, a, there is a small segment of the population, mainly due to allergies, um, that cannot be vaccinated. Um, and uh, by having the vast majority of people vaccinated, those people are actually protected. Um, uh, uh, another concern is that the, the younger demographic, 12 to, to 19 and 19 to 29, are actually the lowest um, vaccinated proportion of the population. With the, the Delta variant circulating in the community um, uh, and being as transmissible as chickenpox, according to the CDC, we're deeply concerned about the potential for super spreader events um, inside university classrooms. Um, that's that's uh, an un unacceptable risk to us and, and a prudent, simple um, step uh, where um, students do have the option of taking online courses if they're not vaccinated. Uh, we think that's a reasonable move. What's the reaction been uh, from those those uh, four institutions that uh, you represent and have members at, and and what's the feedback uh, that you're hearing from students? I know this announcement is is very fresh, minutes fresh, in fact. Um, yeah, that's that. So I don't have a good answer for you. I do know I've spoken to a lot of faculty who are concerned about um, the lack of of vaccination on campus. Um, they would uh, the majority of faculty favor this. Um, uh, uh, students, I've had less of a chance. You know, I haven't been able to interact with students for, for many months. Um, uh, uh, but uh, we're looking out for the health and safety of, of everyone. Um, and it's a simple step, and accommodations can be made for those who aren't vaccinated. Um, uh, uh, there's, there's concern about international students, but um, I just checked the international um, plate regulations. And get in, to get into the country, you're going to have to be um, double vaccinated with a recognized vaccine. So that's actually an issue. 
Scott Forbes is the Manitoba Association of Faculty Associations president, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Scott, thank you very much for the time. We appreciate it, sir. Um, More than welcome. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is on vacation. Great song for a great guest, and we're going to talk to him in a moment. A big gun, indeed. But before that, a text from Michelle at 204-780-6868. On. We're talking about, you know, when you played sports when you were a kid, or maybe you got a, a story about some kids like Michelle who says, I remember a five-year-old first soccer practice. It was so hilarious watching the kids trying to get the ball, tripping all over the place and stopping in mid-track to catch a bug or two. (laughs) (laughs) But the funniest thing was a little goalkeeper. He was so bored because the ball never came close enough to worry about. So he starts checking out the goalposts. Slowly, he started circling around one of the posts, then faster and faster around and around until he got himself so dizzy, he staggered onto the field and down he went. It was so funny and cute. All the parents were laughing hysterically watching this little guy and his antics. His teammates, on the other hand, never noticed because they were too busy catching bugs. (laughs) That's outstanding. I was a goalkeeper in soccer uh, most of the time I played, and I've been that bored guy. I can remember going to my defenders going, hey, guys, do you think you could let the other team through a little bit? Bit. I'd like to get a couple shots here, if you don't mind. It's eleven nothing for us. I think uh, you know we can afford to uh, let the other team have a shot or two. So uh, that is an absolutely wonderfully painted picture from Michelle. Thanks for that. Keep the text messages coming, please, and thank you. And that's for your chance to win two tickets for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers home opener. We'll give that prize away just after nine fifteen. And apropos, because today is what day, Mister Fortier? It's Tuesday. That means breakfast with the Bombers. Brought to you by the Cooperators. Find an advisor at cooperators.ca. A better place for you. Now, as we work our way through what is potentially a shorter week for many of us, the Blue Bombers will hold their final practice in preparation for that season opener on Thursday night. Only two more sleeps until the Great Cup champs get on the field for the first time since their championship win in Calgary November 24th. 2019. One of the key members of your Winnipeg Blue Bombers is linebacker Adam Big Hill. Good morning, number four. How are you this morning? Good morning. Doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, we appreciate you making time. I know uh, that uh, preparations are well underway. A month of banging into teammates, scheming, and planning almost complete, Adam. Tell me how good that first hit on a Hamilton Tiger Cat is going to feel Thursday night. Yeah, no, it's going to feel great. Uh, you waited way too long for it. Uh, there's been a lot of excitement getting back out here to the field and being back here in the locker room with the guys. And and uh, really, that's uh, that's the next piece is going out and, and hitting somebody new, for real. Now, we know you're going to be asked about this a few more times before Thursday, but that pregame ceremony and unveiling of the championship banner, is that something you and your teammates are looking forward to? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, it's it's an accomplishment that we work really hard for. Um, you know, it's something that's it's truly special. I mean, the, bringing a great cup back to the province, uh, to the city, to the to blue and gold fans across the country, just um, waiting so long for it. I mean, it, it's, it's truly special. So it's something that, you know, we will appreciate. And, uh, you know, and it will remind us what we're on the field to go out and try to accomplish again. We really appreciate you talking about all this because the talk has been for months and months right now, Adam, the same questions. And so once again, on behalf of Blue Bomber fans, thank you for answering them the way you have over the past several months. But what would a full stadium mean to the players Thursday night? Oh, I mean, it would mean everything. I mean, we're out here to obviously provide for our families and have fun and do things that we love, but like we love playing in front of, packed stadiums and, and, and diehard fans. I mean, it's just something that, you know, even personally, I, I, I get a lot of energy from. And uh, not only that, like, it is a tremendous help, you know, having home field advantage. And since I've been here, any anytime I've came to uh, when I played against Winnipeg, coming into this uh, city, you know, it was always a problem for, for teams coming into the city. So, um, you know, in essence, I mean, there really is a 13th man. There really is a, a, a huge advantage for our crowd being part of the game and impacting the game, helping us win. 
Now, many Bomber fans, of course, follow you on social media, but they also follow your wife, Christina. Has Christina managed to sort out her proof of vaccination situation that she posted about on Twitter? Uh, we're working on it today, so I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm seeing if I can reach some of the right people. This uh, I think we'll I think we'll be good. Well, our fingers are crossed for that. And Adam, nothing but good luck uh, to you and your teammates as we head towards uh, Thursday. Anything different that you're doing right now? Have you or have you just do you maintain that same routine uh, for years and years? I don't know if we've ever asked you if you have any superstitions on game day and. If you do have them, are you allowed to discuss them with us right now? You know, honestly, I, my my routine has evolved over the years as I kind of just evolved my game and evolved my you know evolved my body. Um, you know, I, I it started off as doing a lot more, and now it's doing a lot less. I mean, I used to warm up on the field for like forty five minutes before the game, before the warm up. So I warm up and then come back in and, and then have another full warm-up and I just started realizing I didn't need to do as much and and so now it's really just mentally getting in the zone and 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 and, and preparing for what I need to go out and see and visualize what I need to do so uh, you know I'd say that's kind of where where I spend a lot of my time on focus before the game before we come out as a team um, but no no real superstitions I mean my uh, my whole thing is that the entire week I mean in, in my entire offseason I've been preparing for this moment so for me, preparation brings confidence, and confidence brings uh, my ability to show on the field. So that's, that's where I focus. Adam, we're talking this morning about, you know, funny stuff that happened to us when we played sports and we were kids. Um, can we ask you, does anything jump to mind, like any sort of funny or weird things happen while you were playing sports in the, as a kid? Yeah, probably. I mean, when I, when I first played t-ball, I think I, uh, I ran the third base first. And basically hitting a home run, running all the way from third to second to first, but then to home. So I went the wrong way. I was watching a documentary about Larry Walker uh, the other day. Don't feel bad, Adam. In his first practice with the Montreal Expos, he'd never really played baseball, but he was a great athlete. They told him to go back to third base because of a pop fly or some sort of thing. He ran directly from third base to first base as a 20-year-old in a major league uniform. So don't worry about that. It's all good. <laughs> there you go. Adam Big Hill, thanks for this, and uh, much luck to you and the, your entire team on Thursday night. We appreciate you very much. Yeah, thank you very much, guys. Adam Big Hill joining us live on 680 CJOB for Breakfast with the Bombers. And once again, we're giving away two tickets for that home opener Thursday night. Against Hamilton, we're going to give it away at 9.15 based on your text messages at 204-780-6868 about the funny stuff that happened to you as kids. Now, Greg, you are once again a part of the Blue Bombers broadcast team, yes? Yes, indeed. Uh, we'll be handling the the halftime show so Bob and Doug can get a little bit of a break, wet their whistle, and do the things you do uh, when you get a little bit of a break off the air. So I cannot wait to be in the stadium on Thursday night. The hair is standing up on my forearms, just imagining what it's going to be like when they unfurl, raise. I'm not sure of the physical technique that the banner will be unveiled. I, I just can't wait to see it. It's been a long time coming. And as part of the when that happens, are you going to be on the air at that point? Probably not a good idea unless uh, they want to have a, a, a grown man weeping on the air. And that might be good background noise, I suppose. Uh, listen, in 84, 88, 90, the Bombers didn't raise any banners. There were no banner raisings in the glory days of the 80s and early 90s. So this is, this is going to be a first time for me as a 48-year-long fan of this club. Cannot wait. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is on vacation. Just going to take you behind the curtain here for a moment. Uh, I don't know what's happening with the elevators here at 201 Portage. They say they've got three in operation for the 19th to the 30th floors, but I think it might only be two because I went outside for a moment. Yes, I, as you may know, I vape. Okay, uh, uh, whatever. But uh, so I come back inside and there is a huge lineup for the elevators, like 15 people. And when only three can go at a time and it's 832 
that's a problem. So I pull my phone out to text Mackling to say, I got an elevator situation here. <laughs> and then he walk, and then he, I look up and he's standing beside me. Hi Brad. <laughs> I'm right here with you in this long lineup. We're supposed to be back on air in 90 seconds. <laughs> so, uh, thankfully I, I one open, he said, go, you're next in line. And you had to wait for the next one. And Greg sat down in his chair as I was cracking the microphone. <laughs> so <laughs> I made it 10 seconds before I had to fire the weather forecast. So anyway. I'm so sorry, Brett. Normally I never do this. I had to go get a tea because my plans for Slurpees this morning fell completely apart when the 7-Eleven I stopped at, they were, I guess, just refilling the Slurpee machine. So I haven't had any caffeine this morning and I'm Feeling a little sluggish, so I had to run over to the Richardson building and get myself a steep tea. I, I promise not to do that again without consulting you first. Well, no, it's no big... I mean, you shouldn't have to apologize for that. It's just it could have just been a crush of people showing up at the same time. Maybe people just strolling in a touch late, you know, defeated by the long weekend. I know I certainly felt defeated by the long weekend this morning. So, yeah, All right, but hey, some exciting stuff. Happen over the long weekend and the wee hours of Sunday morning, something very special was happening in Tokyo. Get this, for the first time in 20 years, Canada's women's soccer team defeated their American counterparts and the timing for this historic win couldn't have been better. Our next guest is a longtime FIFA official and member of Canada's Soccer Hall of Fame. Hector Vergara is executive director of the Manitoba Soccer Association. What a tremendous Sunday morning it was for Canada's national team, Hector. Good morning. Yes, uh, it was fantastic news for the Canadian national team. I mean, they've been working hard to get to this level and They've uh, said it from day one that they wanted to go to Tokyo to get uh, to change the color of the medal, as they say, uh, after having uh, medal twice in the in the past Olympic Games and uh, and walking away with uh, with a bronze. They wanted to change that color, and they definitely, obviously, they did. Now, at least a silver, and uh, they got a tough uh, tough game against Sweden. But uh, I think they believe in themselves, and we believe in them. And and uh, at the end of the day, hopefully, they can bring the gold home. Well, as you mentioned, they want to change the color of the medal. Consecutive Olympic bronze medals had the women striving to change that color to accomplish that goal. They have to beat the silver medalists from 2016, Sweden. What would a gold medal mean for soccer in Canada and in Manitoba? Well, you know, any time that, uh, that our national teams do well, um, it helps to change the culture of soccer in Canada. And I think that's the most important thing that comes out of a win over the United States after that uh, defeat in London in 2012, uh, the devastating defeat that they had, and uh, and to recover from that and continue to work hard to be able to push the sport forward. And for us uh, in Manitoba and in Canada across our province, our, our province in our in our country, is is to ensure that um, the young people keep playing the game into adulthood. And continue to do so uh, at that age, uh, into and long into their late years. And uh, and for us, uh, we all worked always to try and change the culture of the game. Uh, we know that this is Canada. We know that hockey is very important, but at the end, also soccer has got a huge number of registrants across the country. And so, anytime there's success at that high level, it it heightens the uh, the emotions. It heightens the interest in the sport, and, and that can only help us to continue to. Uh, increase registrations and get uh, children playing the game and loving it and, and, and staying with it. Uh, we played a story much earlier this morning, Hector, with uh, voices of young girls all excited and, and very matter-of-fact and, and knowing who the players are and also saying, you know, if I went to the Olympics, it wouldn't matter about winning a medal. Just the honour of being there would be something else. And these are 9, 10, 11, 12-year-old girls they were they were interviewing and such wonderful thoughts and views that they were sharing, but I can't help but think about Desiree Scott, who took the captain's armband from Christine Sinclair late in that semifinal match as Sinclair left the field uh, on a change. What has Desiree Scott's success meant for the game in our province? No, it's fantastic. And, and I mean, I remember Desi when, uh, when Desi was almost not in the national team and uh, in the years when she was in a provincial program and then the University of Manitoba and, and the difficult decision she had about whether she was going to be in the national team. And eventually, the first time they came around, she declined it. And then eventually, you know, she becomes an individual that struggles through all of the uh, challenges that she has and, and succeeds 
and, and this is the kind of story that is important for the young people of Manitoba and that, you know, I'm, I'm really pleased to hear some of the young people say that they're enjoying the game and they love the game and that's why they play it and that the medal wouldn't matter. But at the end of the day, when you get to the Olympics, obviously participation is fantastic, but getting the medal matters. And it also matter, matters to Desi, who has been working hard uh, through her career to represent Canada and represent our province and uh and all the all the kids who who want to play the game. So, anytime there's like I said, anytime there's success at a higher level, it, it means that, uh, that the interest at the, at the grassroots uh, continues to increase. And that's what's really important in the country is that we continue to to improve the interest in the, in the sport. And we have to remember we're we're at a very difficult moment. Every every sport in Manitoba is at the moment where. Uh, you've gone through a pandemic. You lost registrations. You lost interest in sport. Um, and and to have success like this uh, for the national team helps us to uh, to recover and the interest in the in the game and to keep the players engaged and going forward. Hector, it's I mean it's amazing to see the the Canadian women doing so well in soccer. What are they? Have they done something different than the Canadian men to to reach such high levels of success? Well, I think it's a little different in the men's in, in the women's game. It's uh, there are different challenges at, at every level, and um, at the end of the day, I think that the program has worked really well. And I mean, the men also have increased their their uh, success in the last little bit. And as you can tell, I mean, they've they barely lost in the semifinals of the Gold Cup just recently uh, to, to a very strong Mexico team and in the powerhouse in, in Concacaf. Uh, who then, you know, Mexico goes on to, to lose the United States. So it's getting closer and closer. On the women's side, uh, Canada has always been strong. We've always had really good uh, female programs, and uh, and as such, they continue to do well. And we we hope that that continues, and not only on the on the female side, but also on the male. And then both our national teams do well, so that we continue to to promote the sport and, and have success. And again, go back to changing the culture and the sport and uh, getting everybody engaged in it. So. Uh, they, they. I mean, at the end of the day, you do what you have to do in a game. And if you look at the game, you know there was an hour, an hour of the game without a shot on goal by either team, and and the number of opportunities the United States had were much more than Canada. But you, you, you work through that, uh, those struggles in a game, and and eventually at the end you you get the result you want. And uh, and it was it was uh, you know the goalkeeper made some fantastic saves in the game to keep Canada in the game and and to uh, and to and preserve the the one nothing win. So. Um, it's a tight, tight score line for for all these uh, these games, uh, the, these competitions, and it's going to be a you know a difficult game in the final. But uh, I, we believe that uh, Canada has a really good shot at coming home with a with a gold medal. Well, Hector, we appreciate you making time for us, and uh, maybe we should plan to get together Friday morning and dissect what's hopefully a gold medal win for for Canada's women's soccer team over Team Sweden. Can we make a date right now? Sure, of course we can. We can make some time early in the morning on Friday, um, and and you know the advantage for us, all of us, is that the game in, in Tokyo is going to be early in the morning, at 11 a.m. and uh, it's going to be nine o'clock at night on Thursday. So there's no excuses not to watch the game because it won't be at two or three o'clock in the morning. Hector Vergara, executive director of the Manitoba Soccer Association. Good luck to Team Canada, and we'll speak to you Friday, friend. Thank you for this. Take care. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is on vacation. We're asking you at 204-780-6868 to text us a story about when you used to play sports when you were a kid. And here's one about what we're about to discuss. When I was about 13, I was pitching in our baseball city championships. It was the final inning. We were up by two runs. Coach brings me in to pitch. I struck out the first two batters, then loaded the bases. I walked the next two batters and then balked to first base to lose the game. I walked straight to the car and cried my eyes out. The most embarrassing sports memory I have. And clearly a painful one. It still stings, I'm sure. But thank you very much for sharing it. That's a tough one. Baseball, like any game, is, uh, it's you know, yeah, it has its highs and its lows. And tonight's going to be a high, Greg, because as we get ready for the Blue Bombers' first home game since October 2019, another one of Winnipeg's beloved sports teams hits the field tonight. Yeah, pretty famous balk in their history as well. The Winnipeg Gold Eyes return to Shaw Park for the first time in almost two full years. Andrew Collier is general manager of the team we affectionately refer to as the fish and joins us now good morning andrew long time coming friend good morning yeah it sure is 
23 months, essentially, if I've got my math correct, uh, September 2nd, 2019 to uh, August 2nd, 2021. 701 days between games. It's... uh it's hard to believe, but we're all pretty fired up about tonight. No question about it. How is your staff doing with the game day preparations? Well, they've been going full speed ever since we got the announcement that we we're allowed to return home. And, yeah, I can't say enough about the staff around here. They've been going 24 hours trying to get everything ready, so everything's in place. So we have everything that, that people want at the game, food, beverages, and, and of course, want to make sure everybody stays safe. What's it been like playing on the road for almost two full seasons? Uh, not great. <laughs> not uh, not ideal, but uh, we've made it through. And, and the reason we kept playing was for this day right here is the, the opportunity to come home. And, and yeah, we finally, finally get to do it. And I'm so excited to open the doors tonight. It would have been really easy, I think, Andrew, for many teams in the American Association to just fold independent baseball. Obviously, a, a tricky business at the best of times. Well, why is it that most of these teams have stuck around? And if I'm not mistaken, the American Association added a team in the last year or so. Yeah, we added Kane County last year. They were one of the teams that was... Um, contracted for minor league baseball so we added Kane County I think everybody's kept going because they they believe in baseball and and they they want to provide a a great uh, product for the fans and and stuck with it and kudos to all the owners in the American Association and the players who have who have stuck with it through all the testing and the protocols and and just everybody staying safe and and putting a good quality product on the field Gold Eyes hosting Sioux City. Are the rules for the visiting teams entering the country the same as any other Americans visiting? Yeah, all of our players, all the visiting players, all the visiting coaches are all fully vaccinated. They have been tested before they came in, tested when they come in. So, I, uh, yeah, we've done everything the governments have asked us to do, and, and that's why we're allowed to play tonight. Any challenges at all on that front? Uh, hearing some some rumors, uh, you know, uh, behind the scenes, uh, Andrew, anything you want to dis- dismiss that you might have seen on social media about uh, the Sioux City players in particular? Well, I think every team is going to have situations where they're going to have to alter their roster a little bit just based on vaccination levels and, and all the the visiting teams. And just like our team, we knew uh, about three weeks ago that this was – this was going to happen, so everybody everybody knew that to get into the country and come play the Gold Eyes, you'd have to be fully vaccinated. So there will be some adjustments. We had to make some adjustments, and Sioux City and the other teams will uh, will have to, to make adjustments as well. So is that confirmation then that some of the Sioux City players just uh, weren't able to cross the border? Correct, yeah, just like anybody else. They had to be fully vaccinated. Right. So anybody that wasn't, then uh, they had to to find alternatives. And Andrew, before we let you go, I just wanted to ask you this, because I, I hear this time and again from people, whether they're sports fans or non-sports fans alike, but they uh, hear so often that the, in terms of going to watch a sport live and be there, that baseball is their favorite. What do you think uh, makes baseball so special? I think it's, it has a lot to do with the pace, the affordability. You can come with a friend and, and have a chat. It's it's not end-to-end action like hockey. You can you can sit around and enjoy the game or go for a walk on the concourse, go down to Craft Beer Corner, and uh, just enjoy the entire environment here at, here at the ballpark. I think that's what makes baseball special. Thank you for this, Andrew. Best of luck. So wonderful to have the Gold Eyes back in town. Of course, we look down on Shaw Park from 30 floors above, so it'll be great to see some action out there over the next little bit. Uh, just remind folks uh, what they need to get into the building, when do they need to be there, etc. real quick. Gates open at 5.30. They need to have their QR code or their physical vaccination card uh, along with ID, all of our tickets are digital, so they need to go to Ticketmaster.ca, get their tickets, load them on their phone. We're hoping for a, a seamless entry to the ballpark with scanning the QR code, checking ID, and then scanning the tickets. And then once they're in, 
they can enjoy the game. Masks are encouraged, but not mandatory while sitting outside. They are mandatory inside anywhere, anywhere inside in the ballpark, washrooms, the stores, sky suite level. Um, yeah, I think that's everything we need to know. Andrew Collier, general manager of the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, who returned to the Diamond at Shaw Park tonight. Andrew, very exciting indeed. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. See you at the park soon. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is on vacation. We had to press pause for about 30 minutes on our visit with the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They say good things come to those who wait. Yes, normally we visit with Bob Irving, and I guess really it was 24 hours and 30 minutes when I think about it, Brett. Yep. Because uh, normally we visit with Bob Irving on Monday mornings at 8.37. Well, here we are Tuesday morning at 9.07. Very busy on this morning, on this Monday or Tuesday morning, uh, counting down to Blue Bombers home opener everywhere I was, Bob. It wasn't long before the discussion about Thursday's season opener came up. Uh, Same situation for you? Yeah, I think there's great excitement and anticipation. It's funny, I was riding my bike this morning and uh, a guy was walking his dog and he saw me coming toward him, and he said, I bet you can't wait for Thursday. And I said, no, I can't. And I'm sure many thousands of others feel the same way. It's not just the bomber game. It's kind of the return of the Canadian Football League after having the 2020 season canceled. There's four games this weekend, and for those of us who love Canadian football, it's going to be a real smorgasbord of football delight. Well, I know the fans are excited just to get back in the stands, Bob, and they're looking forward to seeing that banner raised or unfurled. I don't know what the process is going to be. I can't wait to find out. But let's face it, a win on Thursday night would be a statement by the defending champs, no? Oh, there's no doubt about it, and it's against the team they beat in the Grey Cup, the team that was 15-3 and in 2019, a team that looks like it's going to be the class of the East again this year, and it would be an awesome way for the Bombers to start the season. I know Mike O'Shea has said more than once that a fast start is really important this year more than ever because they only play 14 games instead of 18, so if you struggle early, you don't have as much time to make things up because the season is shorter. So, yeah, I think it would be a fantastic start. Uh, talk about getting off on the right foot and beating a real good club like Hamilton would be a, just a perfect way for the Bombers to start. So as you've mentioned this morning, Andrew Harris likely to sit. Brady Oliveira in for him. Darvin Adams is looking like he won't start. So who's going to get the opportunity to make an impression if Adams, in fact, cannot play? Well, it looks to me like Charles Nelson is going to be the guy, Brett, because the other receiver, Stewart, who uh, was getting a lot of work with the first team, uh, came up lame here a couple of days ago, and uh, we won't know if he practices today because it's a closed practice, but typically the players who get most of the work with the first team unit in the three days leading up to a game are the ones who play. So I think it'll be Charles Nelson who... Had a fabulous career at the University of Oregon as a receiver and kick returner. And the Bombers, you know, they signed him back in 2018 initially. He came in late that season, uh, has had some injury issues at one point. He went home and didn't think he wanted to keep playing. But he's had a tremendous training camp, and he has the potential to be a very exciting player. So I think we might see Charles Nelson in the offense and maybe returning some kicks on Thursday night. Janarian Grant would do most of the kick returning, but we could see Nelson back there too. Is Charles Nelson wearing number six for his jersey number, Bob Irving? He was at practice the other day. Yeah, he was at practice the other day a lot. Here's what happens when they make the final cuts. A bunch of guys who whose numbers I have memorized, Greg, change their numbers and i think about 12 of them did it this year (laughs) and i think there should be a rule against that for play-by-play guys because it just causes all sorts of chaos now i've got to learn new numbers on all these guys and i just don't think it's fair just don't call them cameron by mistake eh? (laughs) no i won't (laughs) yeah they maybe should is that a number you think they should retire well i know know the bombers haven't really retired any numbers right they do the ring of honor but you know i know 11's untouchable kenny plain's number we haven't seen it in circulation in 85 i'd be shocked if we ever saw anybody wear 85 again yeah i think six six should be if not uh, publicly privately retired so we'll have to talk about that uh, throughout the season 
season, maybe. Hey, uh, Blue Bomber coaches show tonight, 7 to 8 on 680 CGB. I'm curious if the demeanor of defending Grey Cup champion coach Mike O'Shea is any different than Mike O'Shea, Mike O'Shea rather chasing that first ring as a coach. Uh, no, I don't think so. You know, Mike's a pretty, he's a pretty stable guy who is the same pretty well all the time. I think he gets a little uh, more, I won't use the word uptight, but uh, a little more buttoned down as you get closer to a game, and especially the opener, and especially against a really good team like Hamilton. Uh, he'll be fine on the show tonight, though. He'll, you know, he'll uh, give, I think, good answers, and I don't think he'll tell us whether Andrew Harris is going to play or not. I'll certainly ask him, but uh, he he doesn't like to reveal much about injured players if he doesn't have to, and he doesn't have to, although the league does have a new rule this year where the teams have to in, or, uh, put out an injury report, uh, and the Bombers put one out on, what's today, Tuesday, I think they put one out on Sunday and another one yesterday, and this is something new in the Canadian Football League, and they also have to say what the injury is. And in the case of uh, Andrew Harris, they listed it as a calf injury. And before, it was always just a lower body. And Darvin Adams was a shoulder. And this is something they have to do with this single-game betting, Greg and Brett, that's that's coming. It's not here yet, but it's coming. And the Canadian Football League is going to have to be more transparent about the injuries and whether or not the players are liable to play in a game. So we're seeing some signs of that now already. It's fine to listen to the game on the radio. It's fine to watch it on TV. But, of course, there's nothing like being in the stadium. So Thursday, before the kickoff with what we're going to see there, what sort of atmosphere are you expecting at IG Field? Well, it's going to be electric, Brad. It really is. They're going to unveil the banner. And I don't know exactly how that's going to happen. I haven't been told that or seen any evidence of it. I don't even know what the banner looks like. I think they're going to show the players in the next day or two so that they know what's coming on Thursday night. But uh, it's going to be sensational. I mean, this team hasn't won a Grey Cup or hadn't won a Grey Cup in 29 years until they won in 2019. So I know the the fans are going to be just ready to yell and scream and full of emotion and all the rest of it, and it'll be well done by the Bombers. They're great at staging these things. So I can't wait. You know, it's just going to be so much fun for me at 5.30 on Thursday to say, hi, everybody, welcome to IG Field. Uh, you know, I haven't been able to say that since October of 2019, and then we'll be off and running. Doug Brown will be there with me, Ed Tate, and Greg's going to join us, and uh, we'll just get rolling on our broadcast. And, man, I'm looking forward to it. I'm like a kid in a candy store. I haven't done this for so long now. I think I'll remember, but uh, it's just going to be fun for anybody who's there. It's going to be a, a thrilling emotional, memorable evening, and it will be most memorable, of course, if the Bombers win the game. And the Ticats are coming in to try and spoil things, so it's going to be quite a night on Thursday. In the immortal words of New York Jets linebacker of long ago, Bart Scott, I can't wait, Bob Irving. (laughs) I can't wait. Yeah. By the way, Greg, another number that is never circulated is 63, Chris Walby. Of course. Uh, yeah, they've never given out that jersey, nor should they. Bob Irving, tonight, 7 till 8. It's the Coach's Show yep. with head coach Mike O'Shea, 5.30 Thursday. Bob, thank you for this, and uh, can't wait to see you at the stadium on Thursday night. And tickets are still available. We've got two tickets for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers home opener to give away right now. We asked you this morning to tell us a story about when you played team sports when you were a kid. And we, of course, as always, have received so many wonderful, hilarious, amazing stories. It's virtually impossible to pick one. So we got to share at least two before we announce the winning text, Greg. All right, let's start with this one. My son was playing in the 12 uh, AAA City Final hockey game. He's one of the key players, but had come down with a bad cold. I pumped him full of Sudafed before the game, and he came out and gave it his all, as usual. He told me that in between periods in the dressing room, he kept falling asleep which is not at all like him. They won the game, and when we drove home, he was asleep in minutes in the car, very uncharacteristic of him, as he was so full of energy normally. But 
Sudafed, uh, mm, mm, chalked it up to the old cold. After the game, I went to give him some more medication before bed. It was then that I realized I had given him the Sudafed PM before the game instead of the daytime version. Whoops, bad parent open there. That stuff really does put you down. Any of the, any of that nighttime cold stuff? Oh, Nyquil. Uh, oh yeah, Nyquil. When you actually drink, you take the liquid Nyquil. That you're that you're gone. Yes, sir. It works well. Uh, you you also liked Danny's text, Greg. I did. Good morning. When I was eight years old, we were playing in an outdoor hockey tournament. Who remembers those? Hands up. I was the goalie on the team. It was really cold and windy that night. The wind was blowing directly in my face. My dad noticed that I was very uncomfortable, so he stood behind the net. And get this, Brett, I turned around so my back was facing the play and the wind so it wasn't in my face. Anytime the play started coming towards me, my dad would tell me and I would turn around. (laughs) That's my sports story that always stuck with me. Danny, thanks for for sharing that. Uh, Wonderful memories from you and it it prompted some of my own. So I appreciate it muchly. But Ryan is today's winning text. Ryan says, and we shared this about a half an hour ago, but got to share it again. Ryan says, when I was about 13, I was pitching in our Baseball City Championships. It was the final inning. We were up by two runs, and the coach brought me in to pitch. I struck out the first two batters, but then loaded the bases, and then I walked the next two batters, and then I balked to first base to lose the game. I walked straight to the car and cried my eyes out. The most embarrassing sports memory I have. Ryan, I wouldn't say that's embarrassing, but no doubt that's difficult because if you've played sports, there is at least one moment in your life you wish you could have back. No question about it. Ryan, thank you for sharing that with us, and uh, we're with you on this, and, and we thought, well, you know, Pizza's not going to change your memory, but maybe uh, it's a good way to thank you for for sharing your story because lots of us can relate to that. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global. And on Instagram, at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.